Hey, crybaby listeners, it's Olivia here to give you a soft but still serious content warning for this episode, uh, not only for the film, but also for our conversations. We're going to touch on some heavy topics like sexual assault, sexual violence, stuff of that nature. So just a heads up going forward if you're going to listen to this episode. We love you. Don't hate us. Yeah, please don't hate us. It's great. The sense of release and relief. Release. The sense of release. Honestly, yes. All right. Hello. Hi. What's up, guys? Hi. Welcome to another episode of the Crybaby Anime Club. Today, we're going to be talking about Belladonna of Sadness, which, whoo! (laughs) I'm sad. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how it does that to you, huh? It's very but heavy. I am very, it's very heavy, but I'm very excited to talk about it. It's a, uh, it's kind of a, a cult film at this point. Uh, for a long time, no one really had access to it, but it got re-released in 2016, and now we are able to uh, partake in the experience. And uh, yeah, heavy and crazy and weird, but uh, still a a monumental film, in my humble opinion. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I'm excited to get into it today. Uh, so before we dive right in let's have our fun opening exercise which go around the circle and share two truths and a lie <laughs> uh, so if the devil were to appear to you what form would they take on like how would the devil present himself to you i need to think about that for a minute because i have a lot of devils <laughs> got a lot of devils got a lot of demons i guess like Josh's would be denim. <laughs> I'm just imagining the character from My Hero, the best genus. I'm just oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I guess I could go first. So I've had like, I mean, I've had some like pretty intense fever dreams in my day, um, where I wouldn't consider like what presented itself to me as the devil, but like just kind of like a malevolent spirit or something of the sort. Like I've had two very like intense dreams that I could recall in my life. And one was just like this, like old kind of like almost potato sack, like looking like old ass sage kind of person that like just took me on some like fucking like journey through hell type thing and then another one right um and then another one was like very like very classic like ghost like little girl dark hair white dress (laughs) yeah very very you today Olivia actually (laughs) um you know but almost kind of with with me right but almost with more like of a like a, a ring or a grunge twist to her you know so those were the ways that like I've had already in my life interactions with like a kind of like I don't know like a demonic figure or something strange like that right um the way I would want the devil to to present themselves to me would be <laughs> very much um, like him from Powerpuff Girls. I'm not gonna lie. If like a drag queen just came in and was like, "Bitch, I'm the devil," I'd be like, "Okay, yes, yes, you are. Sign me up. What can I do for you?" <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, it's fucking perfect. Yep. <laughs> I mean, part of me. Well, first of all, Luce, I feel like that's that's like a mini-sode bonus episode of you explaining <laughs> your your close encounters. Um, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, part of me just wants to say, I mean, it's uh, loose. Literally, well, I'm I'm interacting with you now. Human <laughs> <laughs> form, but you are very red right now. <laughs> you do. You have a nice coral color going mm, on. Thank y'all. Yes. <laughs> but I I feel like I'd want the devil to present themselves to me in like a uh dildo format or just you know maybe more realistically just a tequila bottle <laughs> um why not and both? why not both <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah maybe just like a whole like a, a crate of sin that opens up and it's like a Ooh. wig and some cigars and Ooh. some tequila just like a whole a whole vibe oh and like a nice suit outfit too oh so yeah, like, the I'm devil would dress but I'm you picking... up is what you're saying wow see what I was picking up was that the devil was like passing on the torch to you he was giving the box to let you become the true, devil true. The <laughs> and um my name is is Hannah Rowe <laughs> Le Petit Prince um, you bleep out your last name so it sounds like we're super secretive. <laughs> My name is Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say your whole section is just gonna come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Was I supposed to do a little like this is who I am um after my well, spiel? I feel like I referred to you afterward. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just embrace the mystery. I am. I'm very <laughs> mysterious. Plus, Hannah gave me a great introduction. I am the devil incarnate. Oh, I thought it was the other way around when Hannah was talking. I thought Hannah was the devil there. Ooh. That's why the red glow on Hannah was very good for the, Ooh. the Hannah presence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Calling in straight from hell. Yeah. Sorry. Let me send this email real quick to some viewers. <laughs> hey, sorry, I got to ruin someone's life real quick. <laughs> and sent anyway <laughs> who's next mk did you want to go um yeah sure uh so i'm mk and i feel like because uh, when when i first when you first said the prompt the first image that kind of appeared to me was like a plant um but i feel also feel like that's a little too literal in <laughs> this world uh, but then thinking about it more, um, I think that I would probably like if if the devil were to present themselves to me, it would probably be in. Um, <laughs> I have a very uh, overactive imagination visually, and um, I kind of tend to see images in things like you know what the when the trees move in the wind or the oh, totally tile or the the patterning in a carpet like I'll just like see shapes in them so I feel like should the devil um ever present to me it would be very much like inside of these like textured patterns so it wouldn't be like a literal physical form but rather like an impression appearing that would probably be like only I can see I um, could totally see that happening to you ooh. not gonna lie <laughs> this is like a goosebumps episode yeah totally <laughs> yeah oh man so the devil for me um if Josh is just sorting fire. through files and files in his brain of like which yeah. one do I choose thing. it's like uh it's it, yeah there's there's so much vice in there um 
Uh, so if it had to be a person, maybe just, I've been watching and reading a lot of Jujutsu Kaisen, but probably a tall woman with a big ass. Um, I mean, yes. Kind of like bedazzled. Like, what, like, wait, what was it? Yeah. Was that the movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Or any woman from Golden Boy. Any, honestly? Yeah. See, that, that is the thing. Like, like I, I feel like Kentaro, but, uh, <laughs> um, but I wouldn't picture the devil showing up to me as a person. There's two things I would think of. One would be a pair of like headphones or like AirPods, DarePods, because um, you, you could put them in and someone's whispering in your ear. They're Yo, changing. Food. Don't do it's this to me. They're, they're giving you things like, you know, they're like you, they're not like they're so present that you can't see them, that they're like ingrained and like. So mm. that to me would be one way that the devil would show up because I do a lot of listening to things. So mm. I feel like there's sound. It would be like like you'd be in the store and like walk past someone and be like, like, man, like what a fucking idiot. Like look at that person. And just someone like whispering to you mean things. And you're like, what devil, stop it. Um, but then the other one, I think uh, I mean MK joked about denim, but I think <laughs> I do think that fabric is a way that it could show up because in terms of like capturing you and like changing like desire and like your mood and like, oh, yeah. like if you slip on a good piece of clothing, that's like the right fabric and everything you feel transformed. Oh yeah. Like, I think that's part of the devil thing is like the transformation that happens when you make that pack. So mm. I think it'd be very kill a kill. Yeah. Oh yeah. So for me, it would be either headphones or fabric. You know, it's kind of funny too, because like, I, I feel like when I, when I think about how the devil would appear to me, because I always think about maybe the goal, well, if we're thinking what of the devil, opener. I know, right? <laughs> we're going right into crazy town. We're doing it. Uh, like, if we're thinking of like the devil as in like, oh, spooky, scary devil, and not like how other interpretations of Satan is just like, you know justice and individuality and stuff which we'll obviously like get into but if I think of like the devil I would think of him as like trying to like trick me in a way which is not that hard because I feel like just be hot or just be the cutest thing I've ever seen and I'm just like on your side just like the like like the tiny cutest like like a little talking animal bunny yes like a rabbit like if a little bunny was just like hi, I'm Satan. I'd be like, yeah, oh my God, like, come hang out. I will be with you till I die. I would die for you. Oh my God, my liege. My liege, (laughs) yes. Or alternatively, um, I'm just picturing like Madeline Kahn in like an all red dress and like a long (laughs) cigarella. And then we just like hop in a car like Thelma and Louise style, but we don't die. Like we fly in the car and it's just like a crazy fun thing. I love this. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's an yeah, interesting opener for a very interesting film. I just want uh, to say everyone's was so on point. Like everyone oh, was totally. like a perfect caricature of who like that. If that devil, like if the devil just shapeshifted and appeared to you mm-hmm. in like that very personalized way, I I feel like we captured it, y'all. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, how people were in, into using the idea of like the devil not really appearing, but like using a vessel to make his message clear. That was cool. Um, but yes, so we're talking about Belladonna of Sadness. So a little bit about this. So yes, Belladonna of Sadness or Kanashimi no Belladonna or Tragedy of Belladonna. 
um, was directed by Aichi Yamamoto and produced by Osamu Tezuka and Tadami Watanabe. It was oh, written oh. by what? Uh, that's uh, uh, the, the manga artist. Yeah, it is. He did Astro Boy, which is like incredibly famous, all of his manga work. So it was written by uh, Yoshiyuki uh, Fukuda and Aichi Yamamoto. And then the music, which is so sick, is by uh, Masahiko Sato. And yeah, so the production company was Mushi Productions. Um, its original release date was June 27th, uh, 1973 at the Berlin International Film Festival. And then it released later um, in Japan on June 30th, 1973. And I quote from the website, Eichi Yamamoto's Kanashime no Belladonna was cause for some irritation. Since the film was listed as animation and was thus evidently mistaken as family entertainment, the audience brought their children. But instead of a quote, Japanese Disney, end quote, they were shown an unbridled medley of sumptuously sexual images. While audience members left in droves, it was not enough for a scandal. Oh, no. their kids. So the, oh, no. the film was Belladonna burning and everyone watching the film got the Satan in them. Dude, the can you imagine? I'm just imagining Yo. if this happened today, it wasn't enough for a scandal. If this happened today, this shit would be all over Twitter. Like, Yo, have you seen Baby Boss or Boss Baby? <laughs> their kids, what the fuck? It, that's insane to me. That's wow. just crazy. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, for a, a quick, uh, well, the most basic summary I guess I could give of this film is. Uh, Jeanne, a peasant woman, makes a pact with the devil to get revenge on the lord of her village, a man who raped her on her wedding night. Um, so it was inspired by uh, Jules Michelet's, son French, Jules Michelet's 1862 book, uh, La Sorcerie. Um, and it is the third and final film of the Anime Rama trilogy. But this was the only one of that series that was not directed or written by. Osamu Tezuka because he left in the early stages of development to focus on his manga um, and he resigned from the company Mushu Productions in 1971. Belladonna pushes the aesthetic of its predecessors into an entirely new realm. Um, it has a really cool cast which uh, I'm I listed them in my notes but I'm not going to read all of them but I do want to talk about one cast member in particular and that is Tatsuya Nakade. He voices the devil. Uh, He's a badass and an incredibly famous, like, talented actor who's garnered a lot of awards and a lot of recognition for his work. He's, like, a trained Shakespearean actor. He's done it all, stage, film, all of it. Not only is he, like, a super famous actor, but Tatsuya Nakade trained a bunch of other super famous actors, uh, including Koji Yakusho, who voiced Kumatetsu in The Boy and the Beast. Oh, oh. Nice. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow. We just did that. The that connection. was literally our last. I know, right? It, it's, it was fate. It's a pure connection. I saw that and I freaked out. That's incredible. See, this is why this is why I couldn't put this on the shared notes. I couldn't let you guys just be knowing this. I had to blow your minds with yeah. that. Can I explain that really quickly? Sure. Well, Olivia put together some shared notes, uh, added her her hot takes to it, quickly deleted it, and added a section in that said, if you're reading this, you shouldn't be. If I had to guess who's reading this right now, it's probably Hannah. <laughs> and just continued to shame me. <laughs> I was like, it doesn't give a fuck. 
<laughs> but she was seen. looked. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. And I felt seen and I continued to read all of your notes. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just crazy because like I, I like blacked them out. Like it's almost like I took a black Sharpie just electronically, but I took a black Sharpie and just crossed out all this stuff. But yeah, beneath it, it was like, I know you're reading this. I know you are. <laughs> and you did. And I was right. And so I felt, I feel very uh, validated, vindicated. But yeah, isn't that kind of insane? I had yeah. like no yeah. idea the connection of that. Like he trained him, like he trained a bunch of other people too, but like, we just did that. That was our last episode. And he trained him. And Koji Yakusho is like also a very successful actor. Like that's crazy. And and we talked about how much we love the voice acting. Yeah. In the last it's, movie. Yeah. I just thought that was so freaking cool. The depth was great like in this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely the best. I, I also just have to say that like as we get closer to 30, um, I feel like the new subtweet is just commenting in a Google Doc and just like, <laughs> like, oh, did you see that? Whoops. My mistake. Didn't <laughs> Wow. Wow, Josh. Everything out of your mouth just now was garbage. <laughs> Zing. Zing. Listeners, I promise I'm not actually mean to Yoshi. It's an inside joke. Um, uh, okay. But going back in, uh, going back in, I want to talk about the, um, I mean, you can't talk about this movie without talking about the art style and the animation. Um, the film is, it's fucking gorgeous it's beautiful um the animation is somewhat limited with like just the kind of the camera panning and zooming um but it's so vibrant yeah I found I found it very interesting how at the like at the beginning of the film it is almost like the way that the the art transitions um it's almost kind of like flipping a page right like you get these like very still shots right and the way it transitions is almost like a page has been flipped but then as the movie progresses it's almost like you start like doing like one of those like like you're you're like flipping through a lot of pages at the same time right because then like you're right it mm -hmm. does become a little more fluid but the only fluidity that comes from it is it's really like it's like these cuts and zooms almost across a page right yeah they're like these these tableaus and 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 Fukai said in an interview that one picture has everything in it like wow. One picture has everything in it. I think of them as scenes where the audience has to use their brain, where it is, it's like a tableau where it pans, you know, and of course, because in Japanese from right to left rather than Western left to right. Um, yeah, I just, cause something I would be curious to find out more about is uh, like what, the credits of the actual like animation studio. Cause I'm like, my thought throughout the whole thing was sort of like, is this like one team doing the entire movie or were the different, you know, cause like there were the different sequences that were very stylistically different. Was it different artists lead like as the key animators for each of those parts? Um, because like, you know, I, you already mentioned Egon Schiel and Gustav Klimt, which very, very obviously um, were, uh, like uh, some of the body positions like were mm -hmm. nearly the same as some of their uh, most famous works. But I even like saw like, I mean, the, <laughs> I think I made the joke of Peter Climax when she like uh, was with the devil about halfway through the movie. It was like the Peter Max art and then- Oh no, that totally is a thing. Yeah. Like then, 100%. And then there was also um, the, it reminded me of the, like the, garden what is it the garden of earthly delights the Bosch painting oh yeah 
super fucked up. <laughs> oh yeah, no, so totally. I, so obviously I'm like, okay, it's not necessarily like I'm an artist, this is my style. It's like, I'm an artist and I'm mimicking these styles. So I, I, I'm very mm -hmm. curious about like what the animation team looked like. Well, I definitely don't have any type of art history backgrounds like MK or Olivia might. I'm like, you <laughs> look pretty. <laughs> Honestly, those same. <laughs> I, I, I just remember, uh, so I, I started the movie, like, I, I actually as the first <laughs> kind of impression. Um, it, Olivia, I cannot believe I didn't notice this, but you're right, it does pan from uh, left to right. Not right. No, 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 pan, it pans from right, no, to, right left, to left, which is the opposite of how we read. Um, I'm questioning mm -hmm. that. I like don't mm -hmm. even know my right from my left right now. I'm panicking actively. Um, but yeah, I, I when I when the panning was first happening in the screen, I like couldn't understand for a second. Like I was like, oh, there's something different about that, but I just did not think deeply about it at all. So I'm really grateful for you <laughs> right now for saying that. But I, one thing that. I did kind of, um, it, when I first started the movie, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a long night. You know, I poured some wine um, and I thought it was interesting that uh, it, a lot of the colors and the imagery was like way more bleak. And then as the movie progressed and the plot progressed, uh, it got like more vibrant and their faces were more likely to be colored in in certain shots. Um, which I enjoyed. So I really liked the use of color in that way. Um, and the style changes. I, I, I don't know. I just really appreciated that kind of like, it wasn't subtle, but it, it was a definite shift that I appreciated when watching it. So I guess redirecting back to Josh, what you were saying, um, this is not only is it based off of, you know, La Sorcerie, but it also is like, you know, the chill of Joan of Arc. I mean, in the end, she gets fucking burned at the stake, you know, like <laughs> this is, I mean, her name is Jeanne, you know, like. I'm so dense. I did not connect that. <laughs> That's why I was saying like, y'all, this, this was like, I, I mean, my, my first time watching this, I, I felt like I was being, I, I really fell into it right like I feel like I was being led on this journey but because it was like just such like heavy and ex very explicit material right like it was also like by the end I felt exhausted because I felt like I digested not only like I digested art I digested music I digested like the messages about the story yeah. I digested the story right like there was like all of these like elements about it that I felt like by the end of it I was very like whoa <laughs> well I guess a, a prompt for this section did you view this as a feminist film I'll go first <laughs> you're not coming in on the hot seat I so I'll, I'll get to the feminist thing in a second I wanted to go first on this because they probably have the most basic opinion <laughs> to be honest so I'm like let me go in first and then other people will hop on with better takes um I did, you know, it, I had no clue what I was walking into with this film, um, though I do appreciate the warning you gave Olivia prior, uh, so I, I felt like I knew something, I it, honestly were like, there's some harsh content at the beginning, and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, there's rape, like, <laughs> it's like the first 
thing that crossed my mind. Um, yes. And I remember it was just like super, you know, harsh kind of like religious themes in the beginning. She's getting assaulted um, continuously. Uh, she's having a really, honestly, Jean, fuck Jean is my hot take. It's just, yeah, I, you know, Jean was not, she was really like, at the beginning, we had an intro opener where it was like, I'll give my life to this, you know, <laughs> like marble face <laughs> in my, my bathroom. But like, she was really doing the most for Jean. And Jean was like, he, he got his redemption arc. I really loved that. I sympathized at the end. Uh, but he was doing the least. And that's so fucking typical. But, but anyway, I, I did like, you know, I was like, oh God, like, is this really just going to be about Satan seducing her and her life is only get more, going to get more miserable. And then the twist that happens where she's like, okay, Satan, whatever. And, and, you know, Satan's like, okay, like anger really isn't that bad of a thing. And I kind of was like, ah, Satan has some hotlines in this movie, but then like the twist happens where she's like, oh, I wasn't alone. Like I was surrounded by nature and all like all of those items. And then she's just having a good time for the second half of the film. And, and I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm finally having a good time. And I keep thinking they're like, like the, the rug is going to get pulled underneath me. And no, it doesn't like, not really. I'm just like, yeah, I'm having a good time. Like go Satan. <laughs> when I'm watching this film and then and it it really like that whole orgy scene which I just really laughed at a lot of the images I love the turtles 69ing each other um <laughs> that was really a, a good time for me I guess uh but it but yeah I feel like she took control of her own sexuality and was like no like you know fuck the divine right of the king like I'm I and finally was having like pleasure with sex and um I really I really enjoyed how kind of seamless like I didn't notice even despite how overt it was I didn't kind of notice it until she was helping the townspeople I was like oh she she is like healed like she knows the past has not forgotten it but is really like healing and gone into her own power in terms of the question of um is this a feminist film or not? Um, I said, you know, to me, it's like, you could argue it is, you could argue it isn't. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally just going through a phase where I'm like, you know, I don't really need that title either way. <laughs> like she's a bad bitch and I had fun. <laughs> Can we use that as the tagline for this episode? She's a bad bitch and I had fun. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, to my quick answer to like the, is it feminist or not thing is, um, well, did it pass the Bechdel test? Um, no, just kidding. I actually, uh, <laughs> I actually sat here to be like, oh shit, did it? And I like sat here and thought, I'm like, no, she definitely well, talked about really Jean, not like, enough a lot of a name. <laughs> it's what a 50 year old film. 
And it's kind of hard to take our modern idea of feminism and apply it to something that was is from the early 70s because feminism existed then, but it, it, like the texts and the language and everything was very different. And like, it's like, oh, are we arguing feminism back then, feminism now? And I agree that labeling things kind of just makes it complicated. So I think we can argue the merits without arguing the label. Loose. Yeah, I was gonna say, so I, I don't know, there, there is a lot of interesting, I think, dissection that you can do of like, where does the film say that power lies, right? And so, but it says, where does power lie in this time, right? Because I, just given the like the themes and the time in which it takes place, I'm like, oh, this is like full on Game of Thrones material, you know? Like they're they're talking medieval, like that whole thing, like that whole thing about the like the overseer being able to take a woman, like privilege himself to a woman on her wedding day, like that is like some fucking Game of Thrones type shit, right? Like. But, <laughs> yeah, but very like very of that like kind of like time frame from what we understand. And so I think there's right what is what is this film saying about where power resides during this time? And then how is it that um Jean like moves through that, right? So it's like it's it's very, very interesting to try and and cut and piece that together right but I do agree I think it's it's very hard for us to see this film in our modern time because it was what in the 70s right so 73 mm -hmm, yeah 73 so I think I think it's very interesting um I don't know if I would call it a feminist film I also don't really know where I stand with feminism nowadays honestly um yeah, <laughs> hot take, I guess. I was not planning on saying that. But... Update, Liz is a men's right activist. No. <laughs> oh my God. My face was because of the- Obviously we're joking. I, I just heard a cat meow and that's why I made that face. It wasn't yeah, about- Yeah, that, that was a live reaction to this cat. <laughs> so like, I understand like Jian's body is, it is poeticized and, you know, it, and in a way like it is, genitalized like to a high degree but I think before anything else this is like an ode to woman like this is a, a story about strength and resilience and a desire for justice and if anything like a survivor story I mean I know she fucking gets burned at the stake but it's about someone who's able to deal with trauma inflicted upon her she did everything right she did nothing wrong nothing at all and her society and the people around her like fucked up her life and it's like yeah she made a deal with the devil i fucking would have too because those shitheads were way fucking worse like you know <laughs> like i would have i i feel like that that's an easy choice and i agree with what hammer you were saying like finally when she was out in the woods living her life that's when i you really start to enjoy the film and the animation is finally not so serious and it's silly and it's weird and it's like goofy and fun and like so i think that while the animation is is meant to like evoke these uneasy feelings to tell her story like I do think that you can't you can't watch this film and not at least question the idea of feminism or what it means to have 
some sort of feminist revolution. I don't know. Like, I feel like you just can't watch it and not think about it because that's the, that's the stuff that it deals with. Gosh. This might just be the episode where everyone gets canceled. Um, I personally didn't find it to be that much of a feminist film. I guess like the the feminism angle isn't exactly what was uh, hitting me over the head. By the end of the movie, I was honestly confused about what the film was trying to make me sympathize with and what it was trying to make me celebrate. Um, That's fair. Especially by the burn at the stake point, that's when, you know, the weak, pathetic husband gets, you know, oh, now he finally can't take it. And everything he does is just so fucking weak. I was really confused about what the movie wanted me to think. Um, Because, you know, I- Get um, I I also think that like part of the thing with Satan, there was no, there was no contrast. There was no God. There was only the God is dead. Humans are the ones that are his name and are oppressing you. There was no actual opposition to Satan. And like, I thought that that was kind of like, it was like this weird, like, oh, the humans are bad. Satan's going to come and help me. But there was no, like, uh, I just just felt like there was a lot of imbalances and that uh, the the path that she took and like what ended up happening kind of just felt, I don't want to say forced, but like, I, I, for me. I would agree that it is forced. I would just say that. It was, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) I give you permission. I, for me, I in terms of like autonomy, I don't know how much autonomy she expressed because I think when she was being the most expressive, it was channeling Satan. But channeling Satan or Satan encouraging her to become her true self? Look, I'm up next on stack. I don't care if you all want to respond to Josh because I'm up next. <laughs> To the point of, is she autonomous? Is she independent? Is she channeling her own power? Um, My answer is fuck yes, just because I want her to. (laughs) But like, I I, I kind of felt that um, there was like a shift between her being tortured and then her and, and Satan just being like, you know, his first line is I am you. And I don't know, I think I really took that line seriously when I was watching the movie. Um, And so like her kind of darkness and the power she harnessed, I really think came from her own denial of Satan at first, her own kind of like fight and desire to be a part of this collective. And then she kind of embraced her own individuality and her own freedom. And I, I really do think that uh, she was expressing autonomy and, and maybe I can't articulate why, but I just think that cave scene, I was, I really felt like she was walking into her own power to your point of what were the makers of this movie trying to get me to think or feel. I honestly don't know. And I think that is a good question to ask. I just think I'm reckless in saying I don't care because the second they showed the French revolution stuff, I was just laughing out loud and I was like, fuck it. I'm on this vibe. It's wine o'clock. I'm feeling it. (laughs) 
full disclosure, when I first I saw the like, ending, I'm like, all right, cool. like, <laughs> what I mean? Too. So I really <laughs> without the movie until the point that uh, Jean is like helping. Like, I'm really like, oh my God, is she going to kill everyone after this orgy? Like, I was really kind of concerned. I was like, she deserves it. I don't care. Kill them if you want to. But she really, in a way, forgave them. Like, she moved on. And was like, I'm free. I want you all to be free she in your them. own like liberation stories. And people were coming to her. And like, I just love that point where there's a, this peasant villager being like, Yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, me and my oh, husband are just the page. Fuck, but we don't want no more kids. And at that point in the movie, I was just like, Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Like I just really was was vibing hardcore, and I was like, "Yes, you know what? I don't care what the makers are trying to do. I'm on the peasant side right now." And that, and I was like, "I'm on Satan's side right now too." And that was just the ride I was willing to be on. Are you willing to be on it, Josh? I don't know. Well, so just to uh, if I could just jump back to the the thing that I was saying, I guess there is the point where when she does uh, really like. Uh, con- I'm about to say conjugate um uh, like where she uh, is you know is with satan for the for, like the the real consummate, there you go conjugate consummating the uh, relationship get your bowels um but uh <laughs> um so i was just going to say that like like satan wouldn't have couldn't have done that without her permission and he said that he needed her to accept him an, in order for that to happen and I think that that is, you know, that that is even a counterpoint to what I was just saying. And also I wrote down the line where she was like, I want to be a horrifying woman. And that too, you know, like, I do think that those two points are, you know, even just counterpoint to what I said, if I could just add those anyway. That's also the, the only quote I wrote down. Look at what she did. Look at, look at her. Look at what happened once she accepted. When she accepted Satan into her heart and lived her life through Satan, our savior, look thriving. at what Like she was having a fucking blast till that motherfucking Lord. She was thriving out in the woods. She was healing people of the plague in her lane, healing people of the plague, helping people with their issues. She was like, but bitch, you can have sex without wanting kids. Like, just do it. Like, it's fine. It's completely natural, progressive. And then it's just until that motherfucking Lord was like, okay, if you heal us or whatever, whatever. And then she says, no, I reject you and reject the society. Then she has to die. I mean. Well, so Liv, I think you bring up an interesting point because in a way it almost sounds like there is this duality, right? Like, especially through this like very feudal lens, right? Like the, ma- like the way in which, so we're saying that there's like, there's freedom and magic, right? Like at some point, like through all this trauma, like Jean comes in touch with magic and it's originally presented to her through this devil that kind of like seduces her for a night right and then she's able to kind of like almost like tear away from it for a while right also because she goes through even more trauma through the through like the experience of being like stoned and run out of town right and so she kind of starts to almost touch on this kind of like what would like be considered for the time especially in this like very like Grimm's fairy tale archetypal story right which is what we have we have a story that just like is very heavily reliant on like these archetypes of the time and like what these things were right um so 
I think, yeah, so I think she does kind of almost flirt with kind of like a lighter side of magic as she's trying to heal for one point. But then the moment in which we see her at her like ultimate peak of power, right, quote unquote, is when she's like having this like crazy, like she's being represented with like these very dark images, right? Like she's like the sphinx and she's then like this like very tall, like devilish creature, right? And like, let me say like the devil do wear Prada. Okay. She is working it. I love everything. Even like when she's like still very human and she just has like that, that green jacket and it's just like very Barbara Streisand. Right. Like I just, I love it. But I think when she's shown at her like ultimate peak of power is when she's channeling this, like this devil power. Right. And so I'm almost kind of like, does she keep her soul in the end, right? Like, especially I think when you look at that last scene and her body is like burning, I almost wonder if the question is like, like, has she transcended it already? Like, is she just gone? Is she like, my body does not mean anything anymore on this planet, whatever, burn it at the stake. I don't know. Honestly, I think she 100% gives her soul to the devil. There's that mm-hmm. scene. So there's the scene where, she, where he seduces her and she says, you can have my flesh. You can have this rotting flesh, but you can't have my soul because my soul belongs to Jeanne and it belongs to God. Oh, and then he also, speaking about Jeanne, talks about how he's like, bitch, Jeanne is on the road to perdition, which is literally just sin. Like he's just already down that road. Like anyway, when she's like, my soul belongs to Jeanne and God. It's like, listen, he's down this road anyway. She still doesn't give her or give him her soul. But she's like, okay, you can still take my body. But it's, I mean, he's right. Like, and to be fair, I agree with all the stuff you're saying. Like I have some, some small gesture, sympathy for Jean, the husband. Uh, Because, you know, obviously like that is tragic. Like the person you love is raped on your wedding night. Like, that's traumatic too. Obviously like no match for like the shit that Jeanne is going through. Like that's awful, but I understand like why he would feel troubled and traumatized by that too. Then again, he also becomes a fucking drunk and like beats her and shit, which like obviously not cool. And yet he gets his redemption in the end. It's like, all right, buddy, a little bit too late on the timing, like still happy he went for it, but it's like, buddy, come on. Like even when she comes back and he's like, let's just forget this ever happened. And it's like, listen, I know like the human instinct is to like repress and forget and shit. So I think she does sell her soul to the devil. And I honestly don't think that's bad. Do I think it was a little bit forced? Yeah. Her circumstances were fucked. And again, if I was given the choice, everyone else in that society were such fucking shitheads. Like the devil seems like the better option. I think it was, I would have done it. And even if she had to do it because of her own trauma and that's how her whole transformation and like metamorphosis happened and like, that's what it was rooted in. I think it was, I think it was worth it. I think she made growth. I think there was growth uh, that happened. Way of choosing. It's like, oh, you have a choice um, between this and death. (laughs) So you could choose, you have freedom. Employment or death. Employment or starvation is a really fair choice under capitalism. Or, or employment, or and, employment starvation. and starvation. Good point, Yoshi. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess um, there a you quick go. point on, I, I guess the feminist discussion. I mean, I think it's just uh, feminism 
is flawed. Our definitions have changed. Feminism has changed. White feminism is not a useful thing to have. I, what I actually think uh, perhaps what feminism was supposed to do and what I do think this film touches on is a question of liberation. Um, and I find it very, I, I mean, maybe it's cause it's like, you know, I'm a nineties kid. I'm very used to queer coding of characters as well. So I think it's maybe really easy for me to sympathize with someone who would make a deal with the devil um, because it's like my entire sexuality is painted as, as something that should bring me to hell. Um, and so with that, I always find it very interesting the links that are made between um, Satan or witchcraft and that of um, rebellion and that of also seduction and pleasure. And I think the second half of the film really embraces seduction and pleasure, even in the first half. The only time she really seems to be enjoying sex is it's a weird, it's a weird sex scene I don't like, and it's multiple sex scenes that the consent is questionable with the devil, but it's the only time she seems to be experiencing pleasure. They don't show that with her and Jean until the second half of the movie. Um, but I, I always think it's really interesting that, um, yeah, like if you're a lot of these kind of Protestant, quote unquote, older Christian values were that of pleasure being, you know, combined with the sin or something. And, and I just find it uh, very fun. Maybe like my kind of mindless embrace of her character in the movie has to do with, with, with almost like this oh, you know, because they want healthcare for people in America, I have to be labeled as like a socialist or something. And it's like, well, first of all, I am a socialist. But second of all, it's like, if I wasn't, fine, just call me a fucking socialist anyway. I don't, if that's what it takes, then I'll take on this title, you know? So I think I'm just really keen on if, if you're gonna make me a villain, then I'm just gonna embrace that villainy. And I think there's like a Saul Alinsky quote out there speaking of socialism, that's like, I'm gonna absolutely uh, mischaracterize this quote, but it, it pretty much is the effect, like let us not forget the first kind of like really great organizer, uh, which is the devil himself who rebelled against God and won so much that literally, you know, won so much through this battle that he won his own kingdom. Uh, so let us not forget the first original person to rebel. Um, I was literally fist pumping while you were saying that. Loved That's fantastic. <laughs> um, I do think, uh, uh, well, for one thing about when she does have the sex scene with Jean toward the end, that's also the point where she's like having sex with anyone who wants to have sex. Like it's kind that's of gorgeous. like when she's reached this peak of like freedom. Um, so it almost feels different than like their married life um prior i also think uh my thought on gene he's a piece of shit the whole time i'm yelling dump him like i i actually really like at first <laughs> at first when he uh uh when he says let's just forget this all our life starts now i actually thought that was a really fantastic way to respond to her coming home because it's it's like a, we're both oppressed under this like feudal Lord. 
we can't do anything about it. Like, I'm so sorry, but now we can start our life. Right. But then he starts to choke her and is like, and he clearly isn't able to accept that situation. So I think, I think that, I mean, the movie in a lot of ways is kind of like a tragedy. Right. But, um, while having its celebratory parts, but I think my view on Gene is that he is like, I don't like him, period. <laughs> but I think the mourning that exists around him and for him is more so a mourning of what could have been if their life hadn't started out that way. Now, would he have ended up being a shitty drunk? I don't know. I mean, who, who could know what, how their life would have been without this shitty Lord uh, that ruled over their village. However, the fact that like their wedding was like DJed by the Joshua light show, I'd be kind of questioning it in the first place, but I think that not you, Yoshi, it's a, uh, the, it's, the Joshua Light Show, and look it up. It was a 60s, 70s uh, projection, water, oil, art, really cool, psychedelic. Um, they have some stuff in the movie that looks very much like it. I think it's another one of the uh, inspirations. Okay. I think you should but handle just, a lot of show notes. <laughs> I mean, this, this the whole time, like it was almost, so the movie was very hard for me with all of the um, sexual violence. But the way that I handled watching it was a mix of, because I'm taking Japanese lessons. So it was a mix of just listening to the Japanese and trying to understand it and just being like, oh, that's clearly a reference to this artist, like and, and trying to just focus on the visual language of the movie. Um, but yeah, that, that was my thought about Jean was just like, I, I think we can mourn the relationship that could have been had those they not been living under those circumstances but as it played out I don't even and Josh and I were talking about this earlier that it doesn't even necessarily feel like a redemption because it came so close like uh, uh you know uh as the catholic or one of the raised catholics in the room I I really thought when when she was being brought up to be chained up to be like up on the cross and like burned right I'm like, oh my God, he turned away once. He turned away twice. If he turns away a third time, that's the third time that he's rejected her. This is a straight up like reference to the crucifixion. But rather than turning away for a third time, he actually charged out. So I was like, okay, that was a nice, uh, <laughs> uh, it was such a divergence from the Bible story that I was like, I don't think you're redeemed, but I appreciate the attempt. <laughs> In terms of the witchcraft stuff, like uh, just for uh, the one thing that I really liked about this, um, and obviously like the word witch gets thrown around a lot when there's women who have their own power, when there are women who make their own way in the world without a man or without the system that they came up in or without like the society that would otherwise be oppressing them a lot of times they get called witches because it's like, how could you have this power? How could you uh, dare step outside of your place? But the thing that I really liked in terms of the, the witchiness of, of Jean, 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 Jean <laughs> was that, um, and I mean, the title of the movie, Belladonna, it's not just pretty woman, but it's also the name of a plant. It's the name of a, a like the Belladonna is, 
it's um, a really pretty flower, um, kind of big flower, and it's a type of nightshade. And most, yeah, most nightshades are toxic. However, the nightshades that we are most familiar with are tomatoes, eggplants, potatoes. A lot of people have like allergies to nightshades though. So it's kind of an interesting thing that like, they're not all toxic, but they're still kind of a little toxic to some people. But uh, the reason I bring it up is just that uh, I, so much of witchcraft, you know, people associate it, like maybe not us, but like (laughs) grand scheme, people associate it with curses and like potions and poisons, but it's like (laughs) uh, something that could be considered a poison in the correct dosage and administration could be a medicine. And it can also be um, uh, like a hallucinogen. So it's kind of like uh, this fine line of embodying like life in healing, death in poison and hallucination in transcendence, which are, is this like really cool trifecta that I think like witches can kind of exist in that's also outside of kind of society as a whole. And I also just bring up like, a, there's also like the, the, the devil's trumpet and the angel's trumpet, which are two different plants, two different families. However, those two plants, as well as the belladonna, all um, are toxic because of the same like alkaloid like properties, which is very interesting. So I also was like, oh, the angel's trumpet and the devil's trumpet. It's just all very like visually beautiful while also being like scientifically connected. Well, she says at one point, I'm the poison and the cure. Which essentially, that's essentially inoculation, which very, you know, applies to our present circumstance. It's that that's the beginnings of a vaccine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, the whole village is is suffering and we see it over and over again. There's the plague and then they go to war and there's that quote where it's like, men love war at every age and it's like, fucking speak the truth. But I mean, even what you're talking about, like the main character, our Belladonna is Jeanne, J-E-A-N-N-E and her husband is Jeanne, J-E-A-N. Like, if we also view it like that, I mean, two people alike in all but gender literally sharing a name but one is continuously coddled by his society and then one's fucking forever spurned as a witch and like what choice do you have when you've been called a witch your whole time the whole time to say like okay i will be that yeah if society forces me into this i will be that because that's all i have left to become even before like you know she she became the money money lender and she she had control over the town when the men were at war like like she had her textile business she had these fabrics she was selling and she was doing great but because her business was doing great everyone's like oh she yeah. must be possessed there's by a the lot devil. about and it's like heaven forbid a woman be right good at her there's job. a lot about power like, and title i mean they were in a sense <laughs> the devil had the devil still encouraged her don't get me wrong again they were right in a sense but still like how how even now, I mean, they were right, Logan. <laughs> but still, like, when people, I still think it's relevant to think, like, I think even if she wasn't and she was doing well, they still would have said that. I still they, I still think that they would have said that about her and, had it not have been I, true. I do agree with that. Like, literally going back to what I just said about witchcraft, like, it's like, oh, you're healing people or you have this power or you can live off the land. Like, that's, it must be some supernatural thing, right? But I think that, uh, uh, that moment where 
the men go off to war and she becomes the money collector uh, is like this, okay, she's in power, right? But she's still not free. She's still a part of the system. She's still giving the money to the Lord. So it's like this false sense of like, um, not, I can't say false sense of power because it is powerful. Well, and then there's that jealousy, right? Because it's also the the, yeah. the wife of the Lord comes right Lord's comes wife. in and is like, um, excuse me, people aren't supposed to be loving up on her like that, and right? Not like, just that, but like her her power and like small f freedom in that case is coming from taking money from the working poor and giving it to the Lord who's like funding an unnecessary war. Like that's like, okay, it felt like power and it was certainly better than where she had been, I guess, on a personal level. But it's not until she's actually like run out of town that she finds like true capital F freedom. I love the music. I think it enhances this film in a way that is not only super fun and silly and goofy, and like I love this like hella 70s soundtrack. Uh, but I do think that it ac- accentuates the the feeling of it. I think it reinforces reinforces the feeling of love and melancholy and the violence. I think it's very crucial to telling the story. So I want to hear you guys' uh, thoughts on the music. It is definitely, uh, is it Mas- Masahiko Sato? That's who did it. Um, I think that the, the soundtrack, I mean, it reminds me so much. There's just like this whole period of library music, um, which is its own rabbit hole to fall down, where like there was just these people who became kind of notorious composers that would make music for like NFL. Like, like, like there was just so many things and it was literally library because they would make, record stuff and it would just be pulled from like it was a library for other people to use in media. Um, but there's this whole world of experimental music and also just like this sort of light, fun jazz funk that I think like this really plays into. And uh, I mean, original copies of this go for over $2,000. So it's definitely sought after um, for the material pressing, you know, like the original pressing. You can, it's still available in print, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, it's definitely my favorite of the soundtracks. I just don't think it worked for the movie, but I loved it. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if I have a similar opinion to Josh in that I feel like the music definitely did add to the film at times, but I do think that at times it was just so hard to focus on each of the aspects as separate pieces, right? And I think that um, at times watching the film, I felt overwhelmed because there was like, I just wanted to listen to the music or I just wanted to see the art or I just wanted to like kind of pay attention to the narration. And I think at times because the music was so fantastic, it took away from my ability to focus on how it was interacting with those other elements of the story. I still haven't listened to the soundtrack just like as a like listening through the soundtrack, but I do agree. I think it's amazing. I think it's beautiful. Um, and I think it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I'm not quite sure. 
I'm not quite sure where I land with, I think, I think it adds to the film ultimately, but. I think it does. And also I just try to think about it. Like, could I have handled this film in any other way? Like if this film was presented to me even more seriously without this fucking crazy, like seventies organ filled prog rock, like soundtrack, like, could I have been able to handle it? Like, I feel like, no. I think it's an experience and I think it's necessary necessary for the experience. Hannah, anything you want to talk about? With- um, oh no, MK, sorry, say, MK. Uh, I liked the music. I thought it added to it. I thought that it, you know, you might think of it as kitschy or like goofy or like kind of more like library music where it has a gen- generic feeling to it. But um, I, I thought it worked really well. Um, I, considering the time frame of when it came out and everything um and it uh it kind of reminded me of uh the movie wizards is has a very similar um kind of soundtrack to it and it also is a weird mix of animations uh it's a really cool movie if you guys i have it if you guys ever want to watch it uh it's from 19 wizards is from 1977 but uh i i also want to just say like one of the songs that kept coming back. I kept thinking it was going to be that some the some velvet morning song. It's Nancy Sinatra and someone else. Lee Hazelwood. Lee Hazelwood. Josh knows these things. I don't. Um, mm. <laughs> and it, I don't know. It kind of like I, I also like Jesus Christ Superstar is one of my absolute favorite things in the world. And that like I, I just love the like quote unquote corny seventies music. So I, I was a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, same. I fucking love it. Um, My only comment, loved it. Love that. Fuck yes, Hannah. (laughs) Honestly, I, and this, I guess this can lead into our closing thoughts. I was very worried about having us do this. I knew we were only doing films this season and I chose this because not only do I have such a affinity towards this film, um, but I, I also felt like we would just never get another opportunity to talk about it um, because it is such a weird like niche art house, art house anime thing. Um, so I guess I'm curious, like you guys don't have to like it by any means, but did you all like this movie regardless of labels or whatever the hell else we, else we like put on it? Like, did you like it? Uh, the, the first... <laughs> When I began the movie, um, no. <laughs> same, the honestly, movie, same. And, and I was like, dear God, do I have enough substance in my house yeah. to get me through this? Was like literally a thought that kept returning to me. Um, by the end, once it got to the orgy um, and beyond, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I I can do this ride. That makes me happy. I was very worried, and also to be that's, fair, the first time I ever saw it, it talking. fucked me. That's up. your anxiety talking, Liv. <laughs> it is my anxiety, but it also I guess because the first time I saw it, like I think I saw it in 2017, or honestly maybe even 2016, like when it was re-released, because one of the Ritzes did a midnight showing of it, and I'd never seen it before, and I was like super ready and in for it because I'm like a uh, 70s art house film what is more my aesthetic than that ready for it and then I was fucking high off an edible watched it and of course the most like 
horrific shit starts happening within the first seven minutes I was fucked up and like I think I just got worried because it did fuck me up when I first saw it so I'm just curious so okay Hannah ultimately you liked it everyone else did you like it so I think um uh, the thing fuck you Josh (laughs) straight from the (laughs) gate words out <laughs> <laughs> um if someone gave me the art book like a hardcover big illustrations of everything and they gave me the soundtrack if you gave me the art book and the vinyl i would sit down <laughs> and at any point can put on the music smoke a joint and go through the book and appreciate what they created the movie itself I was not a big fan of the film. I really liked the art. I really liked the music. I thought that the, they were, the, the film was really effective at stirring your emotions and drawing you out of from where, wherever you were. Cause you know, the, the worst thing a movie can do is do nothing for you. And so it definitely does something. Um, I just think that in terms of like, cause it's really tough too, because like it's depictions of really traumatic stuff, but like, the art style and the music is aesthetically pleasing. So it's like, you have to do this inner turmoil where you're aesthetically, it, you're intaking pleasing things that are disturbing. And like, that's kind of like a, it's a little bit of agita for me to have to like work through that. And also just like the way that the plot can be like super predictable. Sometimes I would just be like, all right, let's just get to the thing because like, I'm kind of like, you're holding out on this. And like, I, I want to see, um uh it can because there was a point where like by the time it hit an hour i was like there's another half hour left like holy shit i think also the way that it's done i'm really interested in the style i really do like the idea of like these were drawn on really long pieces of paper and like it's just like them kind of moving across honestly i think more anime can get away with that than people think um if like the story is really compelling but you know, I, I think that like, to me, I'm glad that I have like the cultural currency and I recognize its place in history of film and animation. But if, if I could just take the art and the music on its own, I wouldn't watch the movie again. I would just enjoy those things personally. I take back. Oh, <laughs> um, I would say overall, I agree there's so much about this movie that I like I don't know if I like the package that it's presented in um and I agree if almost I could like like sit down with the materials as separate materials I would really really find like they are really compelling and I think the movie is successful in making us feel absolutely I think it's a movie that compels you to deal with some heavy shit um but I, I agree. I think I would, I, and I do like it as separate pieces and I would love to flip through a book of the artwork and I would love to like be able to afford that $2,000 vinyl and just like listen to that music because yes. Right. Um, but that presentation, yeah, it's just, it's very hard for It was very hard for me to get through. Um, <laughs> it was like a wind up to get to my second view through, honestly. 
If I can even just add to that, like something about the way that it was animated. I don't know if it was in the digital restoration, like MK pointed out that it could have added some of the jittering, like with movement. There were parts where I actually like had to look away from the screen because it was making me like nauseous yeah. when, when things would move really quick and stuff. There was like some some motion stuff we, that I was just like, I was like, oh my God. Like, our, like, huh. the, the copy that we watched had frame rate issues. So, so whenever it was just what uh, copy it was an did you guys watch? Stream, but it was just it was the 2016 restoration. Oh, um, but it was like very every oh, time okay. it was panning on one of the like larger images, it was very jittery. Because mm. <laughs> yeah, so that, I feel like that's the thing is like a lot of the movie made me Weird. feel nauseous and trapped. Which, like I said, if it's doing something, it's working. It, mm. That happened, but I just don't want to feel nauseous and trapped. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's very um, fair. So, did I like it? Yes. Would I watch it again? Yes. I think that uh, we can all share. That, that it was really difficult. Um, I think for the first 25 minutes, I my forehead was just permanent wrinkles. And like, I think I just had a scowl on my face. Like I was just watching it like, uh, just like upset and, and like thoroughly not enjoying it. However, like I said, I just kind of more focused on like the art and, and um, the beauty of the animation of it. I actually not just would watch it again. I think I want to watch it again um, because there's there was just so much in the animation I found very inspiring because like animation is something I'm interested in, but it's always felt really out of reach. But seeing this done in the way that it's done and how few actual individual drawings there are for an hour and a half long movie was kind of inspiring. Um, I think that it, the, yeah similarly I would love to have an art book like I kept finding myself being like oh if I was watching this on my phone or my iPad I would be screenshotting parts of this to like have have as like a phone background or hang on my wall like I, like my my high school print out every image I find on Tumblr like feelings were coming back because of that um I'm also like you know uh stereotypical as it is I'm like such a sucker for Art Nouveau and like Klimt and uh <laughs> Clemson. Yeah, yeah. Um, Same, I, honestly. I think that the two kind of things that I wanted to just mention uh, were I loved that her hair color changed the whole time. Like she had every changed. hair color. Like it was amazing. I was like, hey, relatable. <laughs> like I, I just loved that it was like mm -hmm. constantly shifting. Um, it was a lot. I think this is crazy because obviously I love this movie for many reasons uh, and I don't hand out any of my socials like social networking stuff for any of this stuff but and I'm not going to now but even that a lot of my social networking stuff is inspired by this movie. I love this movie but at the same time still agree with like everything people are saying including you, Josh. <laughs> Kidding. I'm not trying to single you out, but yeah. Belladonna of not dumping a shitty dude. <laughs> like, I think it's, it's important to know, I guess, in, in closing thoughts, wrapping up this episode, like, while I have such an affinity for this film and always will, and I still agree, I agree with literally everyone's take about how they feel about it. Like, I'm happy, MK, you think that you want to watch it again. 
I'm happy, Hannah. You were like, yeah, fuck, this is great. I'm rooting for her. Who gives a shit? Love it. And I'm also with the same side of like both Luce and Josh of like, you know what? Parts of me, like I have watched it multiple times. If you told me that I would have the first time I saw it, I would have thought you were lying. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and it's also crazy because I think this is this is the oldest piece of animation we've covered on this podcast. So this also in and of itself is a very uh, different episode, I think. Uh, because we're not dealing with a lot of the of the modern anime that we are usually like usually talking about. Um, this is kind of like a weird deep dive into like old style animation and like what that means and and how it's presented and and how we view it now. Because this is definitely a a '70s ass film, whether it's the soundtrack or even how it's animated. I mean, '70s films, even live action ones, are known for their prolonged long shots that like. Do they have a purpose in the film? Yes, they do, because they're in it. But this is the oldest uh, animation that we've covered. And I'm happy that we got to, because I, again, don't think we would have had the opportunity to do so. So I appreciate you all watching it and being able to talk about it. And sorry I made you watch it so many times. Thanks, though. All right, y'all, I got the papers in my hand. Is it going to be? God, here we go. I really hope it ain't me. All right, Josh, you got to draw. <laughs> I feel like I've taken enough heat today. Be? Let's see. <laughs> <sighs> Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. So so here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I'm bending the rules a little bit. <laughs> No. Lou says no. No, you are not going to bend the rules. In three Showed minutes, up late. Hannah. Needed to send an email. Was going to bend the rules. <laughs> I knew it was going to be me. Um, so hear me out. The movie I want to pick uh, is actually an anime that condensed itself into two separate movies. And y'all are going to hate me, but it's about damn time. Uh, Madoka Magica. Mic drop. That is. Try to fight uh, me. You know what? That is. Uh, that's a that's a really dirty move, but I really love that show, so I'll accept. It. Well, hang on, hang on though. Playing is dirty. Wait, so are we hang watching on. the the twelve episodes, or are we watching the two movies? We're watching okay. the two movies. Wow. Dirty. Hannah, I love that move. That's such a you move. I have nothing but respect for it. Um, are we watching? movie one recording reaction to movie one and then watching movie two do so we're gonna do i vibe with what mk and josh are doing right now because i had that question in my head no both of my tickets are getting taken up one episode to end all episodes on modica magica we're watching both movies and we're talking about it you can't talk about it split up okay hannah yeah i know i I was gonna say because that that is so hot yeah, it is very hot. It is very hot. That's why I said no, nothing but what, respect all, for it. Part of allowing it, this is a, because we've done this before, because we did Evangelion and the yeah, movie. Yeah, because I made you guys watch the movie as the so, final episode. So we watched, what was that? Definitely not, sorry for that. And a movie. So this this is this is kosher. We could do this. Um, also, I, I wanted to talk about this show. We got for, this. Probably since we started the podcast, so. And- Definitely.
And that's Belladonna of Sadness, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, Crybabies. It was a fucking hell of a watch, but thanks for listening. And uh, we hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Uh, signing off for now. Until next time. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.